Human Nurture Podcast. My name is Jason Brand, and we have a special episode today um, with some packed therapists who I wrote an article with uh, about um, COVID-19 and doing telehealth and just what a big shift it's been. And so I'd like to welcome my fellow PAC therapists, Carolyn Sharp, Gabrielle Usatinsky, and Beth O'Brien here to the show. Beth, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself first? Yeah, and thank you for inviting us to do this um, podcast. Um, I'm in Fort Collins, Colorado, licensed psychologist, PAC level three therapist. I work primarily with couples, and I also specialize in trauma. So I bring that aspect into my work with PAC. Great. All right. Gabrielle, you want to go ahead? Sure. I'm Gabrielle Usatinsky. I'm a licensed professional counselor in private practice in Boulder, Colorado, and I work uh, only with couples. Great. And Carolyn, you're up. Carolyn Sharp uh, out of Seattle, Washington. I also specialize and really only see couples. Um, and in addition to seeing couples uh, for regular pack therapy, I also do intensives and retreats around the Pacific Northwest. Great. So, uh, Gabrielle and Carolyn, you guys were sort of the, um, you were the, the two who started the article um, that we wrote for, it started out as a blog post and then it kind of grew into an article. Um, and can you guys just give a little narrative of how the article came to be? Sure. Well, Carolyn and I originally connected on LinkedIn and just started talking about, you know, hey, maybe we ought to get together and have a conversation about how we're going to transition our practice of PACT from doing it in our offices into an online format. And, um, and Carolyn suggested that we pull you two in and, and have a joint conversation, which we did. And then I suggested that we write some kind of an article or a blog um, for the PACT Institute website um, to help other clinicians because we figured, hey, if we're struggling with this, uh, we assume probably everybody else is going to have similar questions. So that's really how it started out. Um, that's great. Yeah. And the, the, um, the, I think some of the energy, uh, what I was remembering as you were talking is some of the energy um, of, like, we were really pretty overwhelmed with this big transition that was coming up. I mean, we were all we were all just, oh my God, really? We're going to try to move our practices? Yeah, go ahead, Beth. What, what was that yeah, like? Yeah, we, we were all going from a brick and mortar store in our practice to having to move to telehealth, you know, in many cases within a week. So um, trying to find the right software programs to use um, and, and communicate with our clients, it was really a process. And then doing the article at the same time. Yeah. Well, and, well, Karen, and go ahead, Carolyn. Well, uh, we all having been trained, uh, I'm also level three and having been an ambassador with you guys for the last couple of years, we've all been trained so strongly by Stan that PACT is an in-person therapy modality. It is not intended to be done in any other form, not by phone, not by video. That has been sort of drilled into us over the years. And so Stan had acknowledged he too would have to move to telehealth in order to be able to continue to support couples. Initially, I remember him saying, well, no, I'm not going to do telehealth, but I think he was anticipating continuing to be able to see couples. And when California went into the stay at home um, order, he too moved to telehealth. And so we all were scrambling of how to adapt the really beautiful aspects of the theories and, and, um, ideas underpinning PACT, this in-person process to this modality that's not in-person. Yeah. And just one last question about the article. Um, Gabrielle, you, you, I mean, we started out with a pretty tight container of like what we're going to be doing. And then it was changing. What was amazing to me about writing the article with you guys was that it was changing day by day in terms of kind of what our what our scope was going to be about. You know, at first we thought, well, you know, we'll do a few and then this thing will end. But then it kept growing. What was that like being, being the one who was sort of, you were sort of the quarterback of this? What was it like sort of shepherding this process through and expanding it and making it have a shape? Um, I would say it was, it was very challenging, but also very rewarding because I don't, I've never worked on a, on a piece, on a written piece before with this many people. So we had all four of us and then Stan uh, was actively involved. And then we had our wonderful editor also, Karen Arroyan, um, 
who helped us shape the final product. And, and so everybody was, had so many great ideas and we're just, you know, I think a lot of it in the beginning, we were just throwing as much into it as we could. And then um, a lot of what I was doing was, was sort of sorting through the weeds, you know, to put every, to put it together in some sort of coherent fashion. But I, I feel like overall, my experience of working on this with you guys was, it was so positive. I was amazed at how, at how well this came together and how um, well we collaborated on this. And it, it really made me want to um, do something like this with all of you again. So yeah, it was, it was a really, I mean, especially because there's so much unknown and I think, um, you know, it was, a. Uh, it's been so hard to figure out how much, how to build structure in this time. And I think this is where we're with everybody else, you know, I mean, we're with our couples where, you know, um, our families are going through this. How do we, how do we, um, have structure, um, when so much of the, little containers within the big containers of our lives have been taken away. You know, there's schools are now at home for most of our kids. Um, we're working from home, a lot of us. Um, and it's just, things have changed so much. I wonder if you guys could um, talk a little bit, whoever can jump in here, about um, how your practice is different since, um, since we went into shelter in place and since COVID-19. Absolutely. Anybody yeah. want to go? Go ahead, Gabrielle. You. Okay. Well, I mean, I think there are different levels to, to answering that question, right? There's uh, how, in terms of how my practice is different, um, the types of couples that I'm seeing, I would say are different now. Um, I would say that the referrals are much more uh, people who are struggling with very dire situations. And that makes sense because I think in a, in a international crisis situation people are not going to seek out couples therapy unless um, you know there's something really really serious going on because of the financial hardships that people are under right now and the stress of having children at home and so something pretty severe has to be happening in order for them to actually pick up the phone and and seek out services right now so that's impacted the nature of the problems that people are coming in with uh, yeah. in general Okay, so you're seeing you're seeing a shift in kind of who's looking for couples therapy, and and um, and let's get to that in a moment. I'm curious, just what does your day to day look like? What what do, what do you guys? I mean, do you, you go to the office, you you stay at home. Do you are you in front of a Zoom? Are you seeing couples in your? I mean, I don't think anybody's seeing couples in their office at this point, right? No. Right. Yeah. Right. So go yeah. ahead, Beth. What's your day to day like? Yeah, my day-to-day -day is um, I'm probably seeing half as many couples as I had when I was in my office practicing. And actually, I've gotten a lot of good news from the couples who have opted not to do counseling at this time, um, either because of job loss or financial limitations or kids at home. And they said that, you know, a lot of the packed skills and experiences from our office, they've applied and they've been using at home and they've been doing pretty well. So I have checked in with all my couples to see how they're doing. So I think that was um, really good news. Um, so yeah, my day, I'm, so I'm seeing half as many couples, but I'm finding by the end of the day, I'm really tired. This is a common thing that um, not only packed therapists are reporting, but other therapists are re reporting due to the demands of seeing people via screen, via telehealth. It's extremely demanding. Um, we're, we're paying more, having to pay more attention, and there's a lot more focus and energy uh, given to our work. Um, so I think uh, it's just demanding a lot more energy. And as a result, even seeing half my clients at the end of the day, I'm pretty tired. Yeah. Are you, are you seeing any difference in your, uh, in, in your caseload, Carolyn? Yeah, uh, I probably, my practice is probably 40 to 60% of what it was. So I've mm -hmm. lost a, a bulk of people. A lot of the couples that I see have children. Um, so little children um, that they can't manage um, in the background and they don't have childcare. So those are all gone. And then I have some that really are just not comfortable that would really prefer not to um, see me online. So I have lost a number of people for the time being. They've started this week and next, they've started to come back and, and, and agree to do telehealth because it's gone on long enough that they are no longer doing okay. 
Um, I do have some couples that are finding real benefit to being in quarantine um, because their attachment, you know, they're not having the separations and reunions all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those things are not getting agitated and they're finding comfort in that. Um, And then I have couples uh, who uh, I've had a couple of couples. I've had two couples that have broken up Mm and uh, it is, you know, it's a very difficult time. Like Beth is saying, I think it's, it's uh, much more draining in a different way that I'm really not accustomed to and my yeah. body has not adjusted to. Um, and there are just some interesting differences I've noticed that um, oddly to me, some of my emotional boundaries are changed as a result of looking through video. I thought I would feel more removed Um, but I actually don't. Uh, And so when there's negative emotion between the couple, uh, I'm having a hard time not getting, you know, not sucked into it, but getting really impacted by it, hostility um, and deep pain. Uh, Normally I'm able to sort of contain it or, or sort of capture it in another place and process it later, but it is sort of more directly hitting me Interesting. Uh, huh. interestingly through telehealth. So yeah. um, I haven't quite figured out how to manage that. Yeah. What do you find, Gabrielle, in terms of emotions and, um, and energy levels in terms of, in terms of your work? I would say that that really uh, depends on the couple because obviously, you know, there are high arousal couples and low arousal couples and that hasn't changed just because of COVID-19. Everybody has a different baseline that they function at, you know, individually and in their couple. So um, I would say that that there's still uh, the same kind of variety that I would see in my office. Big emotions? Are you are you feeling? To, I mean, do you, do you feel any emotional difference? It's sounding like it's it, in certain ways. It, it doesn't sound that different. In it has been your experience. Is that does that sound well, right? I guess I, what I would say is that uh, being in a in a kind of any kind of societal crisis like like this, whether it's COVID nineteen or it's nine eleven or it's a major hurricane or whatever, is going to bring up the existential threat for mm-hmm. people, the, the awareness of our finitude, the fact that we're mortal and we're not, mm-hmm. we're not going to live forever. And that naturally pushes people in their relationships to start thinking about what am I doing here? And it, it pushes them to stop kicking the can down the road, as we say, and start thinking about, you know, is this really working for me? Do I really mm-hmm. want to spend the rest of my life with this person? because um, I've been able to avoid dealing with that up until now, but now suddenly because of COVID-19, this is sort of in my face in a way that it, it usually isn't. Mm. And so there are definitely people coming in who are coming in because they've reached a boiling point and that's what's brought them to therapy. And, and the virus definitely has something to do about it. Huh. It's like they woke up one day and suddenly they've got to deal with this. It's funny. I, you know, I mean, I don't, I haven't taken on any new, any new couples since I haven't taken on any new clients or patients since this, since um, this in a month, because um, I'm just sort of getting my legs here. But, um, but I've been finding, I've been definitely finding being more drained at the end of the day. Um, I've been finding for me, I think why it is, is that, it's harder for me to feel what the couple is feeling in the room. And so I'm asking them to, um, I'm, I'm working more somatically. So I'm asking people to kind of go inside and feel their feelings more and, um, and then express them. So I, I feel like I'm working hard to dredge up more feeling in order to feel more. And that seems to me like what, where the, the, the emotional, work is coming up for me where I might just be able to feel it in other channels um, in, the, in my office and go, oh yeah, I think that's what's going on. And, but here it's like, I have to be way more assertive in getting feelings out um, of people so that I can feel them. Does, it, is that, does that make any sense to people? I, nodding, yes. Any, any yeah. reactions to it? Nodding or it, it, I, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I also am finding that um, 
where I get a lot of energy draw. I get sort of excited watching the process take place of watching growth happen and, and feeling the energy go between the couples, not having access to that, those emotions of, of watching energy, that sort of spark that happens when a couple makes a connection where they get it. Mm. Um, that I don't feel coming through. So it feels like a lot of energy out and nothing back. Uh, mm. I don't get the same sort of excitement and adrenaline from being helpful in the same way. Not that that's why I do the work. I don't get it to get a hit from my couples, mm -hmm. but that is how I think one of the ways we're able to continue to do this hard work um, of holding pain and, and uh, helping with high arousal couples who are having a knockdown drag out in our office or navigating a breakup or navigating really hard conversations. I think watching that growth and participating in that growth and feeling the energy from that is how I sustain myself. And I'm not, I'm not getting that same energy hit. So it just feels like a drain, a drain, a drain, a drain. And best interesting. Talk, so I'm going to shut up. <laughs> Go ahead. Beth. No, I was going to piggyback, Carolyn, because it's the impersonal nature of the screen, I think is operating there. And also, um, I've noticed some of my, my more islandish um, couple partners, they actually seem to enjoy um, using telehealth more than the in-person because I think it does provide that extra layer of almost protection for some people. Um, and, you know, one of the shifts I've noticed is my therapeutic frame is being forced to change in some ways because as PAC therapists, well, any therapist in, in, in reality, we're relational, right? And we're relying on verbal and nonverbal cues. And so um, I might be able to see micro expressions, but there's a cost of seeing whole body input. I'm not seeing people's legs and feet. Are people, sometimes I can see when people are breathing from their chest area uh, or upper chest, but I may not see their belly breath. So there's information that the screen blocks. And I'm wondering, Carolyn, if that kind of creates that same uh, frustration for you, because there's an impersonal quality to it that we have to push through in this work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I miss, I just miss being in the room with people. I mean, uh, I had a couple break up yesterday and the despair that was in the room with them was so profound. And that was, that was one of the situations I'm re referencing when I talk about feeling like it just hit me like, like I was a bucket of grief, like poured over me. I could mm. feel the grief so profoundly. And I just wanted to be in the room with them to help them sort of defray some of the pain that they were in, which I've, you know, I mean, it's uh, of course all of our least favorite jobs to break anybody up or have them break up, facilitate that process. But it's an important um, thing that we have to do for some couples. Uh, and I've done it and helped them through that. And it just felt, I felt so powerless um, in being actually able to provide care to them because um, I wasn't in the room with them. And I don't know that that's true, uh, but that's very much how it felt to me. Yeah. I want to expand the lens a little bit here. I mean, I think some of this, certainly, you know, one thing that we talked about in the article was the fear that we wouldn't be able to do our jobs well enough. And, um, and I think one thing that, you know, that we're all experiencing right now, and I don't mean just, I mean, ther beyond therapists, is it's hard to feel like you're doing a good enough job right now because all of our jobs are sort of, you know, it's like you see these memes about, you know, what day of the week is it? Have you guys, you know, there's these jokes yeah. online about, and it sort of feels that way too about like our jobs. It's like, am I, you know, am I a stay at home dad? Am I, uh, am I, you know, um, am I a therapist? And so I think that there's something about that, that um, I think with our work anyway, you know, that's why we talk so much about self-regulation and the couple being in their, you know, being in, in each other's care is because we have a frame that allows us to say we do our jobs and we rely on secure functioning. And I do wonder if some of this is like we just wish that we were we could do a better job. We could help people more in this time of crisis. Um, and I wonder if anybody relates to that or resonates with that with that idea. Yeah, yeah. it's in part doing 
um, like you said, Jason, good enough work. Mm -hmm. And what I'm focusing on, on with my couples is what they need right now. Hmm. So it's a very present-oriented approach um, in my work with couples. And in the article, I think we did a good job of specifying what kind of packed interventions that apply really well to this time. And I appreciated Stan's input about holding people in a container and then really focus on being active with our couples and they're doing secure functioning. Mm -hmm. What are you finding, uh, Gabrielle, in terms of interventions? Um, what are you finding that's working right now um, in, terms of in terms of being in front of a screen? Well, uh, one of the things that's been really critical that we talked about in the article, and I think also relates back to your earlier question about structure and helping couples create structure and being of use to our couples right now is um, this idea of making clear agreements with our couple right at the be very beginning of the process. And those agreements are a big part of what creates the frame that allows us to be successful in video therapy. So those involve agreements around the use of technology for the sessions, like does this couple actually have the setup in order for us to see them clearly and, and you know, enough of their bodies and video and all of that stuff? Um, and then how much are we going to intervene in the sessions? Um, and I've found that to be a really great question. It's a strategic question, right? Because we're, we're inviting them to invite us into their world. What does that look like? What, I think that's, it's, yeah, that, that's really interesting. What, what does it actually look like to say to the couple, here's, you know, how much I'm going to intervene or not? What do you, what do you, what do you mean okay. by that? I mean, so uh, it would sound like, all right, let's have a conversation about how involved you guys would like me to be in these sessions. Let me give you some options. I could be more involved. I could be intervening more and, and pointing out more things that you guys are doing when you're off track. Or I could let you run a little bit longer and, and let things go and then come in a little bit less frequently. Which would you like? And in that, the reason for asking that question is, is because we actually, most couples are going to say, we want you to be invo involved as much as you possibly can, <laughs> because mm -hmm. they see anything less than that as a waste of their time and money, right? right? Right, But if we can get that agreement with them up front, it gives us uh, an ability to intervene on much more closely than we ordinarily would. And we're, we need to be able to do that on video. We, we can't let things run the way we ordinarily would if they were in our office. And that's one of the big differences that we're, we've kind of determined with, with video therapy. Yeah, I found that sessions go much better when, with a tighter frame. Right. Not always easy to hold that frame, I found, but, um, but I found that, that, um, that it goes better with a tighter frame. Um, any funny stories about, um, about like what you've been, you know, like, being in people's houses in this weird way. Um, uh, anybody have things that they, that they can I've share or want to share? I've had a cat uh, get uh, on the, right in front of the computer. So there's a cat walking across uh, the computer. Dogs uh, coming in and barking. UPS um, guy. Have you had the UPS guy come oh, in? Oh, yeah. I had that. <laughs> Yeah, cats and dogs. I mean, the, the the cool thing is really, I'm sure a lot of people have found that when you're staging things with couples in their house, and hey, they're in the actual room they were in when this misattunement occurred. And oh, the dog is here. And you know, the dog was in the room when this actually happened. In fact, the dog was sort of part of the scene. And so now we've got like all of the elements in real time. This is this is not acting it out. This is it. It's deja vu all over again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's fun. It's it's really it adds this element of aliveness to staging that is yeah. really powerful and and useful. Yeah. Aliveness, Go ahead, our, aliveness in our sense of humanity. You know, um, we're seeing people's homes. I had um one couple I was working with uh they heard the kids being upset. These are young kids. They were watching the video. And so um, the wife actually picked up the computer 
and carried me down the stairs. And so I was getting little bumps on watching this and thinking, oh, I hope she doesn't drop me. <laughs> and I'm like, That's wait funny. a second, it's just a screen. It's not you. Uh, so that was just really fun. Um, and another fun thing is I've had a couple, a few couples introduce me to their young kids at the end of the session, their pets. And that's been really fun uh, saying mm -hmm. hi to the kids because you hear your couples talk about these things, but you know you don't have any experience of it. So it brings yeah. a new level of closeness. Uh, I uh, did a fun thing with a dog. You know, a dog kept jumping in uh, the couple's lap in the middle of the session, and they kept shooing the dog away. And we ended up doing. I ended up doing a setting up um, external regulation exercise where they showed me how they use the dog for external regulation. So, you know, I mean, dogs are so great in terms of just being able to cuddle, most dogs are, you can just sort of cuddle them how you want to cuddle them. And they don't protest generally, unless you're really being, you know, aggressive. But most people have, who really love their dogs, have a language that they use with their dogs to, to have, to help them with, um, with the, for the human to get external regulation from the dog, right? And so I had them do that. And then I had them experiment with each other in terms of using each other as sort of like the dog, where it was like externally, you know, what, what if your partner just externally, you used your partner for external regulation, what would that look like? And it, it led to a very poignant, sort of difficult conversation about how much they're able to use each other. That's awesome. Lovely, yeah. yeah. And you know, I think another thing that, that we shouldn't uh, uh, leave out as a possibility especially in terms of supporting couples in being able to have sessions during this time is actually getting the kids in involved in the session you know maybe not doing a whole bunch of sessions like that but certainly doing a session with the children in the room with the couple um, to see how they manage the children together and how they protect each other uh, and how they support each other regulate each other as parents yeah. That is very much within the purview of our work as couples therapists. And this is a great opportunity for us to focus in on that, especially when people are unable to get childcare. And that's the reason why they can't see us. Yeah, that's, uh, and that goes back to what you were saying, Beth, about widening the frame. And I do think that what's going to come out of this, we don't have, that was sort of where we left our article was, you know, there's going to be new cool stuff coming out of this. We don't quite know what therapy is going to look like. Um, we know we want to get back to our offices, right? I mean, I, I, I certainly do. But we, you know, this really does expand the frame um, for us. Um, any other thoughts on expansion of the frame and things that people are hopeful about, about what this might bring to our therapy? I nope. think, well, I could add something there. Yep, go quick. And then I want to move on to what people are struggling with, um, what you're seeing with from couples struggling with right now. But go ahead. Sure. I think in general, I, th I think for a lot of us, it's actually a great exercise to, to have to be more, um, more involved at, with people. Um, it sort of pushes us, a lot of us, I think, out of our comfort zone, because I think for many therapists, it's, it's harder to, to kind of get in there and, and really be annoying to people when we have to be. That's sort of not our personality. It's not what brought us to the profession because many of us are sort of more, we like to regulate people and calm people down and stuff. And so, but we actually have to be more annoying in a certain way mm -hmm. online. More um, assertive and more, yeah. more in it. Yeah, I think that's a really nice point. And I think it's, um, and, and yeah, there's something about being behind the screen where you're more licensed to, to say, hey guys, you know, uh, like this arguing, knock it off. I, I, I can't do my job here. Um, I can't help you from here. Um, there's a lot of ways that I do think that we can be way more um, assertive and involved, um, not in a pushy way, but in a way that's like, you know, we're, we're here to do something which is around secure functioning. And we train really hard to know what that looks like. And I think getting in there more, that's a great, that's a great point. Um, I want to go back. Does anybody want to take a stab at just in case people don't know what's a wave and what's an island? Just because I thought that'd be a nice way to, because Beth brought up islands and that they're sort of enjoying this time. Does anybody want to take a stab at what is a wave? What is an island? Anybody? Well, I'm happy to. I mean, uh, uh, you know, the wave uh, island anchor are 
Dr. Tatkin's way of framing or of renaming the uh, attachment styles. And um, the island is the avoidantly attached, uh, the anchor is the securely attached, uh, and the wave is the um, angry resistant or anxious ambivalent attachment. So these are, and, and the way I have reframed that to couples um, is that these, these attachment styles are given to us or are developed in us in response to how we were parented and what we saw in our, uh, the parents we had in their relationship. And for the, um, you know, the sort of really oversimplified version of this uh, that I give to couples is that the island is sort of underparented uh, with an overemphasis on independence and you know self-reliance and the wave is sort of overparented where there's a little bit too much contact and dependence on connection uh, between the parent and child sort of overprotective hovering helicopter uh, parenting uh, or a parent with a, a lot of needs emotional needs from the kid um, and that somehow makes sense to um, the couples that I see in terms of how they develop the ways of relating that they have from these attachment styles. Great. great. How was that? That was, that was a plus. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Extra credit um, and, and secure functioning. Can we just, can we, anybody want to take a stab at secure? Cause that seems like another good That's thing to establish. The, those are the folks that are kind of balanced. That's the anchor. Uh, and those are sort of balanced uh, folks that had a mix of the independence and the uh, reliance uh, on parents. And everybody sort of thinks that the secure functioning person, securely attached um, person, excuse me, is the healthiest one. That's what we all want to be. But as Stan, uh, Dr. Tatkin reminds us regularly, these are all, we're all ish. You know, we're a, a wave-ish or island-ish or anchor-ish and that even the anchors that securely attached person has issues. We all have issues. Um, and so it, you know, the, the ideal uh, is not necessarily that you are um, securely attached. Um, and, you know, it doesn't, you can have two insecurely attached people married. The, the goal of PAC therapy is to create a secure functioning relationship that the relationship itself works through security and creates security for both people, even if you have wave tendencies or island tendencies. So. And that's, that's great. And, and in times of distress, of course, we're going to be more insecure just regularly. I mean, I think we can all relate to how this time causes insecurity. Um, and so what, what are we seeing in terms of our couples, in terms of, in terms of insecurity, maybe in terms of, um, uh, you know, what the more islandish partner, what the more wavish partner, what, what are you guys, what, what kind of stuff is coming up in your offices? or over video in this, in this situation? Well, I, I think some of the practical things are things like managing a household, who does what, um, balancing kids um, and schooling, um, how you do your work. Um, less time for couples connections, I think is happening. Um, not as much opportunity for dates, having fun together. Um, and then the existential fears that Gabrielle was talking about earlier mm -hmm. are there, that they'll get sick, um, particularly hard for parents. Uh, what happens if one of them becomes sick? Um, and especially the parent who may have been more primary in um, being with the kids or spending time with the kids or at home with the kids. Um, and then um, loss of jobs, finances, and life structure as they know it. All those things are really coming up uh, with my clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not to mention a virus that's, you know, that we have no control over. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm fine. Uh, go ahead, Gabrielle. Uh, I was just going to say that I, th I think your question was, uh, you were asking about attachment styles and how um, how we're seeing those in in the session was I think I just I sure, to make sure that's I a that's a good way to go with it. I was it was um, it was vague. Um, oh, okay. Not intentionally, but but it came out that way. But go ahead and tell and whatever your association to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think it's it's um it's easy for everybody, couples and therapists alike, to fall into the mindset that somehow what we're going to see in our offices is somehow qualitatively different because there's a worldwide pandemic going on and this must be having some sort of 
major effect on the way people interact. And I, I think it's important to remember that what we're always interested in here in PACT is process over content. And that in a certain way, COVID-19 is the content. But the process is all of the same mistakes in appraisal and communication and memory and all of the, the mistakes that couples have been making all along. This is just an opportunity for us to bring to bear um, all of those things and shine a light on those things. Um, but the fundamental problems that are bringing people to therapy are about how they do this, how they interact, and that we don't want to get off track and think it's about something else because they will lead us there. So mm -hmm. we need to remember what, what our focus needs to be. Yeah. And I wrestle with that now. I mean, it's funny. I, I am doing probably more content stuff, you know, and I don't know. And I feel a little bad about that because I really, I mean, I feel like I totally agree with you that our bread and butter and our most effective tool is when we're in process with people. Um, but I'm now, you know, there's just so much, um, con there's so much content stuff that, that I'm also, um, finding myself kind of just putting on a, on a content hat and talking about, well, what's going to happen if your teenager's sneaking out and, you know, and it's really freaking you out and you guys are getting in fights about how to manage your teenager. Like, you know, I, it's, it's much more structure oriented in certain ways for me right now. What are you going to say about, do you have a thought on that, Beth? Well, I, the beauty of the content is it can lead to agreements. Mm -hmm. um, so we're able to apply pact there. And also, uh, you can see how couples work through some of the tension between them. And so that's all process stuff. But, you know, it starts out from what's concrete, what's hands-on in terms of what they're experiencing right now. Yeah, I think that's a nice way of putting it. So it's not, it's not an either or. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Carolyn. Well, I was just going to say that um, I agree with everything that's being said and that there's just an intense amount, that content that we're all wrestling with is creating an intense amount of pressure on our couple system. Um, and couples are really struggling with, you know, they're in this sort of pressure cooker, if you will. Um, and all of those process issues that they have um, are really uh, irritated and exacerbated. And couples are one of the nice aspects of this, if you will, you know, nice and heavy quotation marks, is that couples are realizing how poorly they have been doing in focusing on focusing their attention on the right things. Mm. So in this pressure cooker, they're realizing they're not very good at listening. They're not very good at taking care of each other, of paying attention to the right things. And it's really coming to bear now as they're in, in packed language in the foxhole together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it really is this unseen enemy out there that we're all fighting against or protecting, barricading against our, um, in staying at home, locking ourselves in, but um, couples are realizing, oh, holy moly, we really need to get better at this because our whole system is dependent on it. Uh, this is sink or swim in a, in a really big way. I've just mm -hmm. used six different metaphors there. So. Holy, <laughs> holy moly being my, my favorite one. The, uh, the, the, the uh, Beth, go ahead. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah, I've been thinking as I've been working with my couples, what part of the brain are they operating from, not only individually, but as a couple? Hmm. And because of this existential threat, I think we're seeing people operate more from the old brain, the reptilian brain, and also activating all the lim limbic structures in the brain, the midbrain. And so, um, you know, working with the prefrontal cortex uh, becomes a little bit more challenging because they get caught up into what you were describing, Carol, and like the tension, this, this dangerous thing that's right outside their front door. Um, and so they have to uh, deal with that higher level of arousal I'm seeing with, with many of my couples. Yeah, and there's such a, a feeling right now, every family, every person for themselves, as we kind of pull into our separate units. And that um, I think already sets the tone for a kind of non-collaborative, um, you know, reptilian place that we're coming from, um, hiding in our little holes. And, uh, and I think that, you know, one real danger is that couples can really begin to withdraw from each other. And I think that's where our work is so important in terms of, in terms of reminding people 
um, that they're so much better when they're when they're in this together. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, what's else? What else is coming up, guys? Are there other? I, I have a lot more questions, but are you guys is stuff yeah. you really want to get to? I mean, it's it's interesting to think about what you just said because really. Um, I think part of our job is to help couples see that the, the way they're thinking about it is is really shooting themselves in the foot, right? If they think that they're going to be better off on their own, uh, that's just not true. It's not true from an evolutionary perspective. It's not true from a survival perspective. They're far better off learning how to do this thing together in terms of their own individual survival than they will be by themselves, right? Yeah. And so as we get information from them about what's going on, we need to explain to them what we expect from them and that this is, this is a pay to play situation where they, they have to learn how to do this or they're going to perish. That'll be yeah. it. Right. And this that's is what, actually, that's what I'm finding a great the work, opportunity. Yeah, yeah. That's when I'm finding the work to be most, um, most moving, most meaningful is when people are reminded wow, you know, I really went into my own individual way of coping with this and I pulled away from my partner. And in the session, when you're able to create a sense of like, I'm sorry, I forgot you for a minute because this is overwhelming and now I'm back. Um, those are the moments that I found actually really to be quite moving and meaningful um, mm -hmm. in our, as, our, as our roles have changed so much. I wanted to pick up on what you were saying, uh, Jason. There was, I was reading an article um, about a person, an essay. He, he was a hostage at one point and how he handled isolation. And one of the things he commented was that he became more territorial. And um, sometimes um, I'm seeing this with my couples trying to carve out their space and their time. And um, what this brings up that you were referring to, I think, Jason, is one person versus two person system. Yeah, exactly. And I had one couple I was working with was arguing, I'm not getting enough time. You get more time than me. Well, what do you mean? And, you know, they're going back and back forth. And they finally came up with a really wonderful agreement on making, um, carving out time for themselves, um, as well as time for them to connect. Um, and they felt pretty good about that. But, you know, again, it was more one person system. And one of the ways with, I worked with them, as I suggested, how are you going to make sure that your partner is taking the time that he needs? So it was kind of introducing the concept of the two person system. Not only am I going to look out for my time in my space and dealing with my stress, but I'm going to have my partner on the radar as well. Yeah. I'm going to do that. That, that's really nice. And I think the, you know, that um, it's hard, it's, it's hard to have the, to set the context for taking care of myself is taking care of my partner. Because if you're doing that from an, I'm, a, I'm just going to isolate myself here place, it doesn't work. But if you can do it from a place of I'm going to come back, I'm going to, I'm going to set the parameters for my time in a way that make it so that it's collaborative. I mean, it can really be helpful if, um, if people do take time for themselves. And that's, that's, I would argue that that is always true, right? That, that regardless of whether we're in a pandemic or not, there are always going to be people usually on the avoidant side of the spectrum who calm down by themselves and they may need that. Um, and it's just that at times of high stress and high intensity like this is when those attachment uh, patterns get most activated because yeah. that's really right. Yeah. I'm finding with my wave partners that, um, that they're, they're loving the fact that they don't have, they have their partner in the house all the time. And so there's no competing interests from other, from jobs and from other you know, friends and things like that. But then as the time is going on, I'm noticing that there's a growing anxiety from the wave partner. When is the other shoe going to drop? When is the, when, when, when is, when are we going to go back to our lives? And are you going to drop me when, when we go back to our regular lives? So there's been quite a bit of um, anxiety there. I've been, I've been seeing as people are in, um, uh, in, in quarantine longer. Mm-hmm. So let's liven it up here a little bit. Uh, the, the, are you guys, when you, 
meet with your couples, do you look at yourself also on the screen or do you move yourself from the screen? With simple practice, you can't remove yourself. Or oh, really? I haven't figured out how to, how to remove myself from the screen. So it's there. Um, I always, one of the things, I don't have a, a uh, explicit conversation at the start of every session about the container and how much I'm going to intervene. I do it as it organically begins to happen. Um, I pause and say, okay, I'm, I'm jumping in more than I normally do or whatever. Uh, but I do have an explicit conversation to remind the couple that the camera is at the very top of my computer. But depending on where the couple is sitting relative to their camera, there may be three or four feet above them to the top of the, to the top of the, you know, screen. So to look at them, I have to look at the camera. So I look mm -hmm. up, but most of the time I'm looking at them, which may, looks like I'm looking down at my computer. And so I always explicitly say, if it looks like I'm looking at my keyboard, I'm actually watching the two of you. Um, and I'll, I'll try and inter, intervene and look up at you. Uh, but I want to notice the impact my words have. So, um, I don't look at myself very much, but I will occasionally, I mean, it's, it's hard not to, it's hard um, not to, to look yeah. over and go, Oh God, I look like crap. Um, <laughs> I know I'm, I constantly am like peeking at myself going, Oh, that, what am I doing there? What about you guys? Are you, what's it like having yourself in your sessions? Yeah. I'm actually working off of a very large 55 inch, uh, monitor. Wow. I have my I have my couples on a large screen that I can really I can really see without having to look up or down and then I I take notes on a different computer so that my eyes are up um, and there isn't any any way that I'm like either looking down at them or up at them so that's that's taken some of the stress off I think just just having it having them sort of projected almost. Uh, mm -hmm. life's life size. <laughs> you know? I had a couple tell me that I was on a projector. They uh -huh. had their screen projected oh on the wall. And so I was like four <laughs> feet tall on the side of their wall. Yeah. They couldn't see themselves, but they could see me as this huge presence. And I was like, I'm really glad you guys didn't tell me that at the start of the session. <laughs> really self-conscious. That's great. Yeah. What about you, Beth? I find that, um, I'm particularly feeling rewarded that my couples can still do secure functioning. We can do still do secure functioning via telehealth. That was a question in my mind in starting this. But secondly, when I see that going on, um, it's almost like the screen melts away. Mm. You know, it's like it, 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 you get these fragments of, yes, we're right there. I'm right there in that moment with you. And those are really the most beautiful, tender moments. And it's not throughout the session, but when those, those things happen, it's like, ah, yes, we're doing packed, you know, mm. very rewarding. That's great. That's great. What about another concern that we had at the outset um, when we wrote the article was about keeping couples within the window of tolerance. Have, has, have people found that to be a challenge? Yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, and I have a lot of uh, high arousal couples. So I have mm -hmm. couples that, that go at each other, that have big fights and they're not really bothered by it. And I don't, that doesn't really bother me by it. And those aren't even the high arousal couples. I wouldn't say leave the window of tolerance. Their window's just a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've definitely had couples who are tripping out of their window of tolerance. Um, as a result of uh, the amount of distress that they're in, um, how close to the surface their triggers are because of the pressure that they're on, under, because a lot of my couples are high, um, high level tech executives and the tech companies here have not lowered expectations while working mm -hmm. from home. So, which is sort of impossible to work as effectively when you've got children and you're in your household and et cetera, et cetera. So, there's a lot of stress and pressure. Um, and so people's triggers are closer to the surface. Um, and so, yes, I have had people uh, leave the window of tolerance pretty dramatically um, in video sessions. And it's, uh, it's, it, it's not my favorite. <laughs> it's, not, it's not super easy, um, you know, for the couples that were never good at um, taking care of each other in those circumstances that, you know, that is one of the largest things that we're working on uh, in our packed work in office. 
them doing it without me in the room is definitely more challenging. Um, and I do get more active and uh, intervene to help them more directive about what they need to do and even assist the person that's out of the window of tolerance more directly yeah. um, to try and slow it down. Um, so where I'm intervening and sort of taking a partner role, uh, if you will, just briefly to try and get them back down um, so that the productive aspect of the session can resume. Totally agree with that. Yeah, Gabrielle, you were you had your hand up. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it really is a very important consideration, especially over video uh, therapy with high arousal couples and couples who have a lot of trauma. And I think once we understand what the dynamic is that leads to that state, we can get involved, we can nip it in the bud right away, even at the beginning of the session. You know, I, I have a couple where this is what's going on. And so starting the session by saying, okay, today I'm going to give each of you a task right from the start. Mm -hmm. So your task today, ma'am, is going to be to make one point at a time <laughs> and your task today, sir, is going to be to make a reparative statement in response to each point and then check her face and see if it worked. Yeah. Right? And give, her, give him feedback. So we're, we're just chunking this down in a way that we probably wouldn't uh, in, in our office. It's, it's mm -hmm. very coachy. It's, it's different than how we would ordinarily do it because it's so, I've got my hands on this thing. But um, for people who are going to fly off the handle, this is often what we need to do in video is we are going to get one thing done today. And if this is all we get done today, fantastic. We've made progress. Yeah, I totally right? agree there. Let me get a word and then you go and then you get the final word on this one, Beth. Um, the um, I'm actually finding um, low arousal because people are in such a daze from sitting around the house all day that actually getting getting them enough, getting enough sort of them up enough in order to feel. That's actually, I, I've, had, I've, I've had more of that uh, I can talk about the high arousal, but I won't right now. But but that uh, that's been my biggest challenge in terms of getting people, getting them, a, getting a, a pulse um, from people. What about you, Beth? Well, I was going to say something different, but I want to respond to what you just said. Yeah, go ahead. When we look at dealing with COVID as um, similar to dealing with the grief and all the loss and the stages of grief. And, um, you know, some of what you might be seeing is uh, Jason, his clients moving into a more depressive stage um, mm. in terms of how they're dealing with loss. What I've seen is people moving from kind of a shell-shocked, uh, we don't know what we're doing, we don't know how to manage this kind of thing, to now I'm seeing pe more people being angry and some of the anger coming up, mm. um, showing up in their relationship. Mm. Uh, but um, getting back to what we were talking about, uh, window of tolerance, that's a, a concept that my couples, couples that I work with, we, we cover that pretty early on. And so they understand that piece and have come to agreements on that. So I'm pretty direct. So I might say to one of the partners, is she outside the window? And they'll look at their partner, yeah, she definitely is. And then I'll say, well, what are you going to do about that? Mm-hmm. So I just kind of put it on them to work through that. I like that. Me trying to be the referee for that. Monday morning, I'm using that one. That's <laughs> okay. what you just, I'm joking, but I'm sort of serious. Um, the, uh, the, the, well, I mean, first of all, I, I would, um, I would go to each and every one of you right now, uh, even on video, um, you know, for couples therapy. And so it's, it's super nice talking to you guys. Um, I'll give you a second to think about it, which is, do you have advice for therapists right now who, um, are, who might be listening to this and are, you know, trying to figure out how to situate themselves? And, um, I, I guess my, my advice, uh, you know, after this spending of this hour talking is really just for people not to be so hard on themselves. Um, and that, you know, you're playing an important role. I think um, we are on the front lines in a funny way. It's not like we're the, you know, the, the, the docs at the emergency room, but we are really absorbing a lot of 
the, um, the trauma that's happening here um, in ways. And so I think just giving people um, a little bit of space to, um, to feel like, you know, you're doing enough um, would be my advice to couples therapists out there. What about, um, what about you guys? Yeah, I, I think, go ahead, go ahead Gabrielle. No, no, go ahead, please. Well, I was going to say, uh, agree 100%, uh, Jason, and uh, to make sure and get support, uh, because we are in a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, this may, you know, the, the quarantine time may only last another month. I mean, that's long enough. But I think that the long-term effects of this process are going to be felt for a long time. It is, it is interesting uh, intellectually to me and worrisome to me emotionally to think about the collective trauma that we're experiencing from the unknown of what's going to happen with COVID-19. Is there going to be a second wave, blah, blah, blah. The financial worries, all of that sort of stuff, the distancing, that the impact emotionally of the distancing that this is happening. So I think this is a marathon uh, and it's hard for everybody in different ways. And I think really getting consultation and collegial support, Zoom meetings like these, um, just talking to other colleagues and, and normalizing everybody's experience, I think is really critical um, to getting through this healthfully because we're helping, helping professionals that are gonna be doing this long past this quarantine and we need to stay sane and healthy. Great, great. Gabrielle, you wanna go? Yeah, um, I absolutely agree with you about the importance of valuing ourselves and what we're actually bringing to people's lives right now is on the whole, I think much greater than what most of us are aware of because we are a touch point for people in their lives in a life that is very unstructured right now with very little routine and very little schedule and very little contact. And just the fact that we are there to meet with them uh, however often we are and that they see our smiling face on the screen it is actually very meaningful. It's kind of like Woody Allen said, 75% of life is just showing up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and it's, it's meaningful for them to have our presence. And I, I think the other thing I was going to say is that for therapists who are worried about working with couples because they're worried that things are going to get out of control and it's going to get out of the window of tolerance and they're not going to be able to deal with that, that's fine. You can still do a lot of really great, like you need to work within your comfort zone and what, where you feel like you can be in your own integrity and your own comfort. And one of the ways to do that is by working more top down like we talked in the article, with ideas around what is your shared purpose as a couple? What is your shared vision? What are your principles of, of governance, like we talked about? And that is really a way of engaging people in a, in a cognitive conversation that is going to keep them out of any sort of bottom-up hijacking experience, ideally, and, and it's still going to move the ball forward because they're, they're putting together some fundamental components for their relationship that they really need. Great. So it kind of kills two birds with one stone. Great. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Beth, what, do you, what are you thinking? Um, well, I wanted to remind couples that um, we are, our couples are being traumatized and so are we, right? Don't lose sight of the fact that we're not just working with them on their situation that we are experiencing that as well. This is a really important time to do self-care for us as therapists and tend to our own relationships and take good care of our partners and our relationships as well. Nice. Well, God, I, I love talking to you guys. This was really, um, I made it, I, I've, the last two COVID episodes, um, I've cried in the in the interviews or or gotten weepy. I'm feeling a little bit now. I'm not quite there, but uh, but uh, but I um, I just really I got so much out of this today, guys. And I'm really I really moved by the conversation and just how much you guys um, have put yourself into uh, your work. And so thank you for that. And um, and I'll see you guys soon. And thank you. Yeah, and Jason, I think we all want to thank you, too, for opening up the space for us to have this conversation today. It's, it's just been 
a great follow-up to working on this article together and um, I believe we're planning to do a follow-up on the article as well uh, after we've had some time to put some of our clinical experiences into perspective and then come back around and and uh, put something out on the PACT Institute website about how video therapy has been going for all of yeah. us and what we've learned. So, Any goodbyes, yeah. Carolyn, Beth? Yeah, I want to say thank you, uh, Jason, for having us. And, and it, it has been really wonderful getting to know all three of you um, in the process of writing the article. Um, so that's Great. my. That's yours. Okay, Beth, what do you mine. got? Uh, ditto, Carolyn. Um, great fun working with you all, and uh, let's do more. Great. And this, so this is the Human Nurture Podcast. Uh, my name is Jason Brand, and the article that we wrote can be found on the PACT Institute website um, on their blog. Um, and I encourage you all to go read it, and thank you very much for listening today. Mm -hmm.